We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I am hosting for Kirk after the Mavericks beat the Miami Heat 93-83 on New Year's evening. Uh, Kirk took the recap, so trying to lighten his his holiday load with uh, recording duties and hosting duties. Kirk, how are you doing? Really good. You know that was a, was a nice surprise to start to start the year. I was not looking forward to that new year's day games the mavericks have played a lot of them since i've covered the team including two here in washington dc where i live and the quality of the basketball usually stinks uh the quality of basketball today stunk but the mavericks played good enough for about two and a half quarters to to get the win 
Yeah, it was uh, a rough first half to say the least. Uh, Twenty to sixteen, Dallas led. Uh, the Heat. I don't know. Like this felt like one of those games where it didn't really matter what the Mavericks necessarily did. I don't think the Heat were going to win this basketball game with the way their offense was. Uh, they were missing just every like their offense was just a, a disaster i mean they only scored uh 31 points in the first half i mean they just could not hit any shots i think duncan robinson missed his first like five three-pointers uh and he had a lot of decent looks uh tyler hero like hero and duncan robinson finished the game two for 12 from three like that's that you know obviously credit the mavericks for doing some some good things but this just seemed like a a bad shooting night and the mavericks i think deserved to get one of those because uh the Charlotte game, the Hornets threw up a couple of some a handful of junk shots. Like the Mavericks were due for having a team kind of be off for once. Uh, yeah. So I got you know obviously like impressive win. Uh, it's you know Heat were the NBA finalists from the East a year ago, so a double digit win over a contender. Despite how weird this NBA season is, I mean you 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 take it and run, especially with the Maver- the way the Mavericks started. What were kind of your observations coming out of this one? Um, all right. So let's, I'll try to be positive first. I I think, you know, watching Luca really get in his bag and go to work at the rim and play in space was really fun. He had a couple of moves. The one, I think it was over Bam Adebayo where he just put the poor guy in a blender and, Mm -hmm. you know, like pivot. He, he, he developed this real nice turnaround kind of spin move in the lane last year. And now he has another counter or he had, you know, he's had it, but he's been using another counter where it's like, like a counter to a counter where he drives, spins, shot fakes on the spin and then dips under. And there's just not much a defender can do unless that defender is willing to stay home the entire time. And Luca has such nice touch from like, you know, about 15 feet when he's in a, when he's in a rhythm, as he likes to say. So like, that was really, that was really fun to see. Um, It was also really nice. this kind of goes both ways. Like Dwight Powell had eight rebounds, which is wild. Um, he didn't, I don't think he had any in the second half, which is just unbelievable in and of itself, but it was nice to see him kind of crash the boards a little bit harder. He played a little bit better. I, I still don't understand what Dallas is doing there with him, but it, it's, it was nice. So it, there's, you know, a few things to take away. Jason Rich or Jason, Josh Richardson looked a little bit better offensively. Um, yeah, you know, there's it's like steps in the right direction, but no real nothing that I can take away from tonight's game that makes me say, okay, like I feel better about this team's direction. Yeah, uh, it's hard to talk about this team. Yeah. Uh, after it uh, since the Phoenix game, it's been four straight blowouts, uh, mm-hmm. two in uh, the bad way and two in the good way, and when you have these really lopsided scores and i know the mavericks only won by 10 but i mean really this game was decided by the end of the third quarter it felt like uh, and the heat kind of just went on a little run there to make it make it competitive but it was never you know it was never a single digit game in the second half so for i mean this game was a blowout basically uh from halftime on um it, that makes it really hard because you know these types of results it's hard to say like how much of it was the Mavericks doing and how much of it was the other team just didn't have it because like, you know, as great as the Mavericks played in that 51 point win against the Clippers, like you don't get that game unless your opponent is just catastrophically horrible. Like 
So it just skews things so much. And like trying to read into the numbers and the data when these scores are so lopsided, it's just, I feel like it's impossible. So like the thing I'm trying to do is just watch how guys are moving and, you know, just maybe the little things. And like with Luca, you talked about uh, his game. And like, I feel like this is one of the better nine for 22 shooting games he's ever played. Like, uh, I didn't really, I wasn't really paying attention to the box score during the game. And I was like, man, he, this is a good Luca game. This is a good effort. This is, he looks good. And then you look at the end of the box score and yeah, he's got a crazy stat line, 27, 15 and seven, but he, you know, shot nine of 22 from the floor and three of 10 from three. And that's still not great. But like, I think he was uh, really good around the rim and he looked like himself uh, going to the basket, which has been an issue for him in the first four games. So that was really nice to see. I think it's hilarious that three for 10 considers a big shooting slump buster night. Uh, But when, Hey, when you're shooting 9% from three entering a game, uh, that's kind of how it goes. Um, So like that part looked good to me, you know, uh the role players doing just enough was nice like you said richardson kind of had a weird game one of five from three uh but he had a pretty good defensive game i think he had a hand in tyler hero and duncan robinson not shooting too too well tonight but they did like just enough like richardson's defense was was quality uh hardaway jr hit shots in the first half he kind of went space cadet in the second half but the first half they needed that uh finney smith hit just made just enough shots he seemingly missed all the ones luca gave him but he made all the other well, ones yeah and <laughs> so they and got just enough from those guys that that's actually what i wanted to talk about yeah, while i feel like concerns rolling um the mavericks have to start hitting some shots some open shots and it's it's they're shooting 32 percent from three on, as a team through five games like that's terrible um it's it's not good enough frankly uh, you know they need to be four percent higher which is statistically significant in this in this case and on their three-point shooting i pulled some data you know for the recap the mavericks uh, through four games so not including tonight's data were 23rd in the league on open three-point percentage and open three-point percentage is, is is defined as you know nobody within six feet and that happens a lot for the Mavericks offense. It's the way it's designed is open three point corner shots, wing shots, things of that nature with the way that the ball moves and the spacing. And, you know, obviously I, I think the spacing, we, we sometimes overemphasize the three point stuff. A lot of the spacing is designed that so Luca can have space to get in the rim and, and do things there, which he obviously does well, but so many of these kickouts, it's starting to get painful watching really functional i don't want to call them good shooters because they're not um i've had a number of people come and tell me that you know that watched a lot of sixers games tell me that they're very like they they think we should be concerned about richardson as a shooter as a concept um that his miami season before he got traded is is looks more like an outlier the more he plays and we don't have enough data to really say that yet because he he came off the preseason, he was like shooting, you know, like 75% from the three-point line. And then since has just been very, very bad. Um, I, I don't know what to do with that. Because again, it, it feels so, it, a lot of this feels like an extended preseason to an extent. And I feel like the process is good for what Dallas is trying to do for a fair amount of their offense. It's that the results aren't very good. And I am unclear on what they could do to fix it. Does that make any sense? 
Yeah, it's like that's why you know part of it is it's tough to talk about this team because you're absolutely right. Like they're getting good shots. It's not like the problem with the offense isn't that they're getting bad shots. It's that they're just not making the good the shot the good shots that they get. And then you get into a deeper discussion where it's like, okay, well, do they have the roster that supports this play style, which is you know Luca being the maestro and creating a bunch of three point shots, and you have to have confidence that. Guys like Finney Smith and Hardaway and Richardson and Kleba and Burke and Brunson and all these guys can make all those shots. So, because like like you said, they're getting them. So they, it's just a matter of hitting them, and that's like a that's like such a boring thing to write about because it's just it's just kind of you can say it in one sentence and kind of sum it up. Uh, I thought a really funny moment in the fourth quarter when the Mavericks were kind of struggling a little bit was so Dorian Finney Smith catches an air ball an offensive rebound air ball with about four five or five seconds left on the shot clock so it doesn't reset with the air ball catches it under the rim dribbles out realizes with about three seconds left that the that he needs to put up a shot so he kind of takes it off the dribble 18 footer turnaround yeah turnaround (laughs) and then the very next possession you have Luke in the pick and roll, I think, slinging a LeBron, LeBronian esque three point uh, assist, you know, right into the corner, right into the shooter's pocket. Uh, and there's no one within like eight feet of Dorian and he misses it. And it's just yeah. like, it was just that kind of night. It was, it was very strange. Uh, Luca had, <laughs> Luca had seven assists. And I feel like if this keeps going the way it's going, he's going to strangle someone in the locker room after one of these games. Well, it's- he gets really visibly irritated yeah. and then takes a bad shot on offense because he's like, why should I pass to these guys? He threw, he, he rarely throws, uh, he rarely throws the ball at court unless there's an easy play to be made. He threw one up to Willie Cauley-Stein who, you know, tonight's game was a great example of why Willie Cauley-Stein does not get more playing time. He makes the wrong decision every other play, be it defense or offense. He does the thing that the highlight play is really what he he wants, which is silly because it's just like all he had to do was he caught the ball in the lane. He is seven foot tall. He caught it. uh, He could have turned to his right and dunked it. And instead he throws a jump pass out for a brick three. And then a little later on, like, I just like watching him play basketball is very frustrating because there's, you know, there's, that's the Tyson Chandler toolkit, you know, that, that fish used to talk about. And, and the guy is just not, he just, it's really frustrating to see a player make the wrong decision as frequently as he does for as much as he's played basketball. But it, it kind of is what it is. It was a good example um, uh, but Luca is going to kill somebody if he, if these guys don't make these shots, because, you know, he was hanging and I, I found this out after the game, he's at 999 career assists. You think he doesn't know that he's just <laughs> hanging and, and they got to just start connecting. And I've had some people, I wrote this in the recap. So if you read the recap, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself. I've had some people reach out to me about this potential assist stuff that I keep talking about. And over the, potential assists are probably not a good read game to game. I'm probably using them wrong in some way, shape, or form. I'm not a really good advanced stats guy. But I also see the kind of shots that Luca is getting the, the team. So when he, you know, last game he had five assists and 17 potential assists. So that means to me he put 12 other, pose- uh, 12 other possessions ended in an opportunity for the Mavericks to score, and they did not. 
And I bet on at least a third of those were wide open attempts. And all this stuff connects. And the Mavericks just have to be a little bit better because, you know, I'm not sure that the defense was that much better, really. Um, the Heat turn it over a lot. They're a little sloppy. You know, this is a game I'm glad they got the W, but it's just so odd because it doesn't feel like with these with these games, this, this extended preseason, that there's really anything to pick up. And I'm not sure what to do with that. Yeah, I guess it's a, it should be, we should consider it a, like, the Mavericks shot 41% from the field, 32% from three. How many of those games do they win against a solid opponent a season ago? They probably, I mean, wasn't there a crazy stat about them? Uh, they just could not win games if they didn't shoot like, I can't remember what the percentage was, but if they shot under a certain percentage, they were, they had lost like 15 straight games or something crazy like that. I remember you and, and uh, uh, Cooperstein were it kind of, followed that that number uh last season so at the very least no matter what however much credit you want to give the Mavericks defense or you want to give the heat just laying an absolute turd of a game uh the fact that they were able to win despite the fact that they couldn't really make any shots consistently throughout the night is at least a positive in the sense that I just don't think that the the team last year could have won those games so yeah that's that's nice. Um, the rebounding thing seemed to seems to be getting into their head, like in terms of like they're getting the message. Uh, everyone that played had at least two rebounds, <laughs> which is kind of wild. I don't know how many times you could say the Mavericks uh, have done that. I mean, literally uh, every single person uh, grabbed at least two rebounds uh, for everyone that played. So that's mm-hmm. nice. Luca having fifteen is outrageous. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm. Uh, I want to talk more about this game, and I want to try to say more positive things. But the team didn't shoot well, and I feel like the Heat just kind of the Heat were just worse. Is yeah. kind of what it comes down to. And <laughs> yeah. and I I do kind of want to talk about the second unit a little bit. Why do we think Carlisle rolled back out with Burke and Brunson again? And why is Brunson the lead guard? Yeah, uh, he, had, he just had another. I don't know. It, it's one of. It, it's a fine. It wasn't terrible. He he had one really bad turnover, and he you know he can't he couldn't hit his shots as he took all his lefty leaner, his seventeen foot turnaround, like the shots that he likes, but I don't like. I mean, I'm I don't want to kill the guy. It's not like he did anything terrible this game. What do we think that he that that, that Carlisle is seeing? I don't know. I wonder. I I thought that the way that Brunson and Burke responded when he started splitting them up after that Suns game, I thought I saw enough good things for them to keep, keep doing that. But I mean, they, you know, they lost with the way some of these losses are. I just wonder if it's just his way of trying to mix things up. Uh, even though I know a lot of fans wish he would mix things up in other, <laughs> other parts of the rotation. I honestly cannot say unless it's just the fact that the heat, I don't know. The Heat aren't necessarily a huge team on the perimeter. Um, so maybe it's, it would have been an easier game for Burke and Brunson to play. Uh, but I don't know. But they didn't, neither of them really were particularly great. I mean, they uh, were why the game went to crap in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Because each of them I think he was just – wonder if he was just trying to steal. Like, this is his rotation. Like, the guys he played off the bench, Johnson, Kleba, Colley-Stein, Burke, Brunson – those are the guys that are playing in games that matter and everyone else that plays is only when it's like 
a 30 point game with with two minutes left which so yeah i know that's that's a problem but um i think he was just trying to get away with an all bench lineup to salt the game away without luca that must have been it uh yeah but but like (laughs) uh why not throw in a you know why not sit one of burke or, or brunson and throw in a josh green when things are sputtering a little bit uh but I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, it's Rick, man. I don't, I don't think we can. I'm not too confident in Green getting minutes unless uh, something happens that forces him to play. Uh, I think this is what Rick's going to roll with. Uh, I do too, because Green's not happen. good enough right now. Um, yeah. He all his move, like the limited time we've seen, he's played with like Boban. But I don't. I think he looks big but wooden, and I'm not. You know, as much as like the Mavericks themselves will tell us, well, you just can't expect that much from from these range of picks. And I'm seeing other teams that drafted around the same area with rookies who are doing some things. It's one of these things I just roll my eyes where it's just it's. I mean, they're playing the team that does this. They're yeah. playing the team that gets yeah gets stuff yeah. out of those later first round picks. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we probably shouldn't be grumpy after a while. No, no, I'm, not. I'm just kind of like, eh, it just feels. It feels like there should be more to be excited about, and instead, it's really, you know, just uh, on to the next one. I mean, they who do they play? They play the Bulls next, who are a tire fire of their own right. So it's that has it's, to be a get right game for them. Yeah, that, every single juju. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bulls are somehow two and three themselves, but this is that. Yeah, they they need to they need to figure something out. I think. Yeah, I think the Bulls are only two and three because they their last two games they played were against Washington, which is probably the only other team in the league that looked a little worse for wear than Chicago in the first week right. or two of the season. So right. that helps. Um, I'm curious. I, I I don't know what else to say about the game, but I, I I'm guessing. I really thought that Rick would use the five spot and the starting lineup until Chris Kristaps came back as like a a revolving door in the sense of just being like a matchup dependent lineup. Uh, I mean, he talked right. about that before the season uh, and we've seen them do it last season when they played two bigs, you know, with like Maxi when they play against uh, the bucks or against Zion and the Hornets. And that hasn't really happened yet. I mean, he's been pretty steadfast with this starting lineup. I wonder if he just wants to give it more time. I've been thinking more about Powell with his Achilles and the other guys coming back from Achilles this season, John Wall and Kevin Durant. And I read something interesting about how like Durant and Wall look pretty good considering, you know, they're coming back from Achilles Mm -hmm. and Wall didn't play like, and the fact that the last time Wall and Durant played basketball since their Achilles injury, because they had to have the extended, you know, because of the season suspension and the bubble and all that stuff those guys haven't played like whether they wanted to or not uh, or whether they could or not, they just haven't played in a really, really long time. Like I think Walt, like they're both like 18 months plus removed from the injury. Uh, And how often do we see, you know, guys usually it takes them a year to get back from that injury if they do get back. So I don't know. It just makes me think about Powell and it's like, I wonder if this is just what he's going to look like this year. And that's not, you know, that's just, just kind of how it is. That's just how the human body is. And I'm just curious if Rick is going to be a little more fluid with that lineup going forward. 
but I could also just this could also be just wasting breath because we know like Kristaps is going to come back and and things will change and and things yeah. will smooth themselves out. So I don't know. I was just I was just thinking about that today. Just what you know, watching Durant and Wall and how they've returned and compared to Pal who hurt his in January. So he's you know basically tw- he's still under twelve months returning from this injury. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So like KD basically had a whole other like yeah. seven more months. I mean, there's something to that. Though I also think there's something to like the level of player that a, that a guy was before his injury, you know. Like, yes, like, absolutely. Like, like Dominique Wilkins was an All NBA player before he tore his, and was awesome after because he was an All NBA player before. Kevin Durant is kind of the same deal. Um, Wes Matthews is kind of is might be my my level of player basis comparison point because they're both you know guys in their late twenties where this happened to them, and. You know, Wes has has recovered and made a fine career, but he he's not the same guy. He wasn't absolutely he, not. And and I think that's kind of what it comes back to for Powell because Powell's the thing that Powell. You know, besides the fact that I don't think a lot of people appreciate the timing and the know how that being like a, a role man needs to possess. Powell was an unbelievably athletic player. I mean, that guy could sky. Not quite as good as Brandon Wright, but better than a lot of the league. I'll tell you that. Like, watching Willie Cauley-Stein not be able to finish alley-oops from Luca is kind of driving me nuts and really making me appreciate some of the stuff that that Powell was able to do. But Powell can't do that now. He, right. he cannot do that now. They have completely taken it out of the Dallas offense because the 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 verticality is not there right now, and I don't think it will be. I just don't because it's a it's a tendon that snapped. Like it's <laughs> yeah. not, you know. And and I I met a guy last summer who was a former overseas player uh, who tore his, and he showed me the differences in his calves. And he's like, no matter what I do, I cannot build muscle back up in this calf anymore. Uh, it's probably different for an NBA level player. I mean, Durant doesn't even have calf muscles, so it's kind of weird to look at. But <laughs> it's just—I don't know. It, it's 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 sad. I, I I was glad to see him make at least some progress on the floor to where we weren't calling for him to get off. But other than grab some rebounds that came to him, he just he doesn't do a lot, and it's it's yeah. frustrating. It's tough, so. but at least you know the Maverick. As much as Brick is ironclad with this starting lineup so far i mean pal isn't gonna like he did not come back on the floor in the fourth quarter when they needed it it was kleba who was the big that finished the game so as much as there's a lot of you know talk about pal's place in the in the lineup i think the mavericks kind of know like they know and they're i think they're just trying to make the best of a bad situation because as much as we want to make these decisions on paper like hey pal working his ass off you know you have to like there are things about locker room dynamics and team dynamics that are not just that are not as simple as who is putting up the better numbers all the time and and all that stuff. So it's just a little bit more complex than that. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where that yeah. goes forward. I, um, I do want to say one thing before we get out of here. Something I've yeah. been thinking about is I I I will say I I am dis, disconcerted. Maybe that's the right word that the team seems to be looking to or the fan base seems to be looking as Chris Stapp's Porzingis as a salve for a lot of the Mavericks problems. And he makes certain things a lot better, but I don't necessarily see where he fixes some of the, the gaping holes that have been exposed in the first few games. Maybe I could be wrong. I was very wrong about 
his effect on the offense to start the year last year. And he was a big factor in why Luca got off to such a great start. And, and he doesn't give it enough credit for that just because of the gravity, let alone, you know, his numbers might not have reflected it, but he's important. And so I just, I don't know, you know, Porzingis is not like, Oh, hey, if we get Porzingis back, it just like it feels like a fantasy football team where you're like, God, if I just get the, you know, if I just get the wide receiver who's constantly uh, listed as questionable back, then I'll, I'll make a fantasy run. And it's like, mm, you know, what's the likelihood of this? You know, but the things when it comes to Porzingis and injuries are like history is against the Mavericks. Like it just is. Um, and so I, I, I just I worry about that a little bit in terms of what it means for expectations. I think this team's going to be fine. I think they're still top six in the West if they actually play it. But, uh, you know, I, I just I'm uh, thinking about this right now, you know, game five game overreaction. That's just kind of where my head is. Yeah, I understand. I mean, Kristaps uh, coming back isn't going to make role players that are missing shots make shots. Right, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> like, um, he's not going to put the ball in the hole for Dory Fiddy Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. or whatever. Uh, and the, like it's, and then you think, well, the offense will be better. Well, like they're still generate, like you said earlier, they're still generating a ton of awesome, like open looks from three. Uh, I think the biggest thing we'll see is the rebounding will obviously be better because you know even if he's not like elite primo rebounder, he was still their leading rebounder. A year he ago. did play, yeah, he rebounded yeah. a lot better last year. Yeah, and yeah, and then I think Luca will be better because he doesn't. I think a big thing with his, you know, in addition to his. Uh, conditioning it's just i don't think he has a pick and roll partner right now that is scaring defenses um, no did you did you hear the maxi stat that they threw out no i didn't hear that what was Max, it 20 29 or uh 19 of maxi's 20 field goal attempts have been threes Ooh, yeah i mean that so makes sense he's a pop he's, he's a not, pick and pop guy yeah no so there's no rolling happening none right and that that just means luca doing a lot of you know generating mismatches and then doing the james harden thing so Right. And then as a pick and pop guy, uh, I would imagine, I know I haven't really looked at this closely, but you know, he doesn't, he's not going to have the same, he's not going to strike the fear into a deep, like if, if there's a Luca Maxi pick and roll and Maxi's popping, like, where do you think the defense is going? Even so, though Maxi is a better percentage. Yeah. Three point shooter. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's no, yeah, it's no sliding. It's Maxi. It's just rep, you know, what's the reputation and then how are these defenders going to react? They're obviously going to react more to Kristaps. Uh, so that'll, I think Luca's game will be, I think the rebounding and then Luca's efficiency are the two things probably that'll, that'll make the biggest difference with Kristaps back. But, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, I guess that's about it. Right. Kirk, is there anything yeah, else you want to hit It's on apparently before? Friday today, which it doesn't Friday. feel like a thing. Like, I thought I it was like Saturday. Saturday. Yes. <laughs> uh, the days, yes, they are melting together. But we will be back, uh, presumably Sunday evening, uh, January third. Uh, they will play the Chicago Bulls, seven p.m. Central Time. So, so we'll be back around then. Uh, it seems like we are done. Mavericks beat the Heat, ninety-three, eighty-three. This is Maz Money Ball After Dark for Josh and Kirk. Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll be back later this weekend. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.